0: Well, beloved, let's go to the word. Let's go to Luke 15, verse 1. Word reads, then all the tax collectors and the sinners drew near to him to hear him. And the Pharisees and scribes complained, saying, this man receives sinners and eats with them. So he spoke this parable to them. And then stopping right there, we'll go a little bit further down to verse 11. Then he said a certain man had two sons. Let's stop right there for the moment. Our Lord and Savior Jesus spent his time primarily teaching people about the kingdom of God touching people healing them lifting them but at every step of the way he seemed to always be getting challenged and attacked by the Pharisees and the Sadducees and by the keepers of the law the guys that ran things in the everyday life of Israel. Now, when most of us hear about these folks, we never fully know why they always seemed to be criticizing and attacking Jesus. They would attack Jesus using their standards of merit and righteousness. They thought, as they were taught, that closely following the law of Moses would make you closer to God and more righteous and because they were the keepers of the law they thought that they were more righteous than everyone else. Now these laws covered almost every aspect of life for the people of Israel during this time but over the millennia over the course of about 1300 years the keepers of the law had become very rigid inflexible and oppressive. There were more than 613 laws. We only really know the Ten Commandments, but there were, only, there were over 613 laws that they rigidly adhered to, and the penalty for breaking more than a few of these laws was death. You could get stoned on the spot for breaking the one for one of these rules or breaking a few of these rules and there were more than 613 of them so they were doing what they had always been taught not knowing that God was about to do a new thing look at your neighbor and say a new thing <laughs> They would challenge Jesus based on the criteria that they used to judge someone's righteousness or closeness to God. That's why they were always seeking to test Jesus on the law, because again, that's what they were using to prove that they were closer to God than everybody else. Jesus represented one of the biggest threats to the establishment and their sense of power and security that they had ever seen. Now, at the time of our text, Jesus is just getting into Jerusalem, and the first account of him is having dinner at a very prominent Pharisee's house. And after criticizing him and the other Pharisees and stepping on all the right toes, He soon leaves the dinner, and he's soon out with the people, ministering and healing them. Now, the Pharisees, still mad with their egos hurting, were there in the crowd, as always, criticizing Jesus because he was getting along so well with those that they considered unclean, sinful, and unrighteousness. He was was getting along too well with the tax collectors the prostitutes, and those other sinners. Now, knowing what the Pharisees were up to, Jesus then starts to tell the whole crowd, and the Pharisees included, about who God truly is, how God truly feels about us. He tells them about the lost sheep and the shepherd that left the 99 To find the one that was lost. He tells them about the lost coin and the poor woman who searched her whole house just to find that one coin that was lost. And then he tells them about our subject today. About a man that had two sons. We know the story. He told the crowd about how the younger son, full of pride and selfishness and arrogance, asked for his share of the inheritance, his share of his father's will, before his father even died. He was old enough to know how things work, but not old enough to know how things work. But his father, in a love, patience, and in a wisdom that I'm still trying to learn as a dad, actually acquiesce to his son's demands. And as his son leaves home, I can picture him saying with great pain in his heart, Son, you're always welcome here. Don't forget who you are. Be careful out there. It's a mean world, I know it looks good on the outside, but it's a brutal world out there. Keep in touch, okay? And on his way out the door, the son cavalierly looks and says, sure dad, I'll be in touch. And off he goes to a faraway land. Bags of cash, living the high life. Fast times. Faster women, party all the time. (laughs) Let the good times roll. We know the rest of the story. Good times can't roll forever, no matter how much we may want them to. Some of y'all know what I'm talking about. Sooner or later, the party has to end, and there is a cost that has to be paid. A famine came in the land, and the young man ran out of money. He went broke. Didn't know that if you spend lots of cash, then you got to make and save lots of cash. And all of those cats that he bought drinks for and let crash at his crib, all those girls that he made it rain on and had all of those special drunken moments with, They all acted like they didn't know him when he was broke. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Hmm. Well, if you don't, keep on living. He had nowhere to go, and while standing in a pigsty about to eat pig's food, he eventually began to see how things really work. And even though he never fully forgot who he was, he began to remember who he really was. He came to himself. He said, I'm going home. Now keep in mind that at this point, the crowd that Jesus was telling this parable to, for the most part, agreed that this arrogant prideful, selfish boy had gotten exactly what he deserved and that he should be punished. I was kind of mad at him myself when he asked his dad for his inheritance. Ancient Hebrew culture was heavy on family and the family system. You didn't leave. You didn't go off to a faraway land. You stayed close. So you could take care of your family. Yeah, they didn't have phones and FaceTime and Texas all back then. You stayed close. So to the crowd and probably to most of us here today, the young son was not a good guy. He took the income that the father had earned with his own blood, sweat, and tears and squandered it on the fast life. And here he comes back home after wasting all that his father had done for him. He was a traitor that deserved punishment. He said, I will return home and live as one of my father's servants. So even he thought he deserved to be made an example of. And that's exactly what Jesus did. He made him an example. He made him an example of exactly how much our God loves and cares for us. Instead of giving the younger son the justice that he deserved, his father showed him mercy. Somebody out there say mercy. Not only that, but the father showed him mercy in a very undignified way. The word says he saw his son from afar off and ran to greet him. Let me tell you something. Men don't run, unless we really have to. (laughs) The only time you're gonna see me running is if something is very wrong or if I'm doing some cardio. And even then, I'm gonna try to find another way to do my cardio. You don't see us running just to be running. That's little kid stuff. It is considered undignified and immature. It shows that you are not in control of your situation. But picture this father, lord of his house, the CEO, the boss, owned land and possessions had many servants. Picture this father pulling his robe up around his legs so that he could run. When this man saw his son, he threw all appearances and conventions out of the window. All stature and dignity of position had to go. He didn't care how it looked to those who were watching him. His son was lost. Now he was found. His son was dead. Now he was alive. Somebody give the Lord praise on this morning. Hallelujah. Now those in the crowd that Jesus was telling this parable to expected the father to beat and punish the son, for what he had done when he saw him. But Jesus told a completely different story. The father didn't sniff him out to see if he smelled like weed or drink, didn't look him up and down with disgust, didn't say those four words that we all love to say every once in a while. You know what they are. I told you so. Some of us love to say that more than others. (laughs) He didn't say that, but he held him. He loved him. He covered him. The first thing he did after hugging him and holding him was to give him a robe. Gave him some sandals. Put a ring on his finger. He, He restored him. Boy probably stunk to high heaven, smelling like a pigsty, but he covered him. He said, my son was lost, but now he's found. He was dead, but now he's alive. He killed the fatted calf, you know, the one that they were saving for a very special occasion. And through the biggest party that they had ever seen, to celebrate the return of his son that had come home. Jesus was letting the whole crowd know how much our heavenly father loves all of us, especially those that have been lost. How many of you have been lost? He was letting us all know that we can always come home no matter where you've been, what you've done, he loves you. Everyone here in this room, everyone who's watching online, no matter where you've been, no matter what you've done, he loves you. Just come home. Even if you have to limp, just Come home. Even if you have to crawl on your belly, just just come home. You might smell like the world still. Come home. It doesn't matter what you've done. Even if you have to come home as a single parent with a little baby, just come home. Even if you are fighting addiction and torment, Come home. Don't try to get right and then come home. You won't be able to. Just come home. Our Father is going to cover you. He's going to restore you. He loves you. He got you. Just come home. Oh, somebody give the Lord praise out there today. Just come home. But down in verse 25, we have the other son. Everybody say the other son. The good son. The one that stayed home and didn't leave. And it reads, now his older son was in the field. And as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said to him, your brother has come. And because he has received him safe and sound, your father has killed the fatted calf. But he was angry and would not go in now when we usually look at this parable the older son is kind of left out of the story but remember Jesus said a man had two sons and here we get insight as to who the older son is it seems that he was not happy about the news of his brother's return in fact he was angry and if we look a little closer it's not hard to understand how he feels on the surface how many of us have been looked over pushed aside passed over How many of us worked hard on the job for years while it was that new troublemaker on the job that got the promotion? How many of you out there, the person you loved married someone else? We are told that good things come to those that wait and that patience is a virtue, but it always seems to be the squeaky wheel that gets the grease. How many of you knew and did what you knew to be the right thing and the reward and the credit went to someone else that didn't seem to deserve it? Oh, I know it can be a hurtful thing to have been believing in God's power for years, praying for something to happen in your situation and out of the blue, somebody walks in from off the street and God seems to loathe them up with the blessing that you've been praying for for years. The big brother thought that at this point, all of his father's stuff, all of his father's land, was now his. Just close your eyes and then your spiritual imagination, listen with the big brother to the music and the dancing. Hear the loud voices of, happiness and laughter, all in celebration of the wayward son that came back home. I once heard an old preacher ask, is God really in favor of throwing parties for prodigals? You know, sometimes we want to know that those who have hurt us or done wrong in the past are going to pay for what they've done to us. I think about that anytime I look at some of the old pictures of what slaves and black folk have been through in the past. Sometimes I need to know that those who have hurt us or done wrong in the past are going to pay for what they've done to us. It's funny how we want judgment for everyone else, but we want mercy for ourselves. I say, it is funny how you want judgment for everybody else for the wrong that they've done, but you want mercy for what you've done. But I want to declare to you all here today that Parties for Prodigals is exactly what God is into. It's his favorite thing. It's one of the main things that the church is in existence. We are here to throw parties for prodigals to help bring God's prodigal sons and daughters home. Not sit up in here and get high off of our own righteousness and praise. That's not what we're here for. If you want to get high, you can go find a crack house out there somewhere. But in here, we're here to throw parties for prodigals. This is something that's supposed to go outside of the door into your life, into the streets. It's supposed to go with you in traffic, into your house, into your job, on the, in the boardroom, into the lunchroom. This is something that's supposed to follow you to help bring God's prodigal sons and daughters home. The angels in heaven rejoice more over the saving of one lost soul than anything else. That happens here. We praise the Lord for this wonderful building here, but the angels of heaven give more praise to one person walking down that aisle to get saved. But here it is. Let's go a little deeper. The father actually leaves the party and goes out to his older son and begs him, pleads with him to join the celebration. In Luke 15, 29 of the NIV, I love the NIV version for this part. It says, but he answered his father, look, all these years I've been slaving for you and I never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never even gave me a goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours He didn't even claim him as his little brother. But when this son of yours who has squandered your property with prostitutes comes home, you kill the fatted calf for him. You're throwing a party for this no good son of yours while the good son has been working his tail off for you. I am the better son. I did not leave you. I do what you tell me. This is supposed to be my party. That fatted calf that that ingrate is eating in there is supposed to be my fatted calf. This is supposed to be my party. Hallelujah. And the truth is, beloved, is that he is the better son, at least outwardly. But there is something about this older son that was similar to his younger brother he doesn't know the father's heart either here we see that for this son his father is also a means to an end he thinks if i if i, if I follow the rules i'll get what's due me i don't want people to think poorly of me so if, if if, if, if I just bide my time, I will inherit my father's estate. I'll get it all. Both of these sons saw the father as a tool to get what they wanted. They go about it differently. The younger son in a more blunt and disrespectful manner, and the older son in a more hidden manner and culturally acceptable way. The way that he reacted and his bitterness is now exposing his false humility and his fake loyalty. The title of this message is called The Prodigal Sons. He's upset, the older brother is upset and bitter and his high view of himself comes to the surface Finally, because of what's in his heart, the older brother is a picture of the Pharisees who think that by following the rules, they'll get the father's stuff. But the sad fact is that the older brother is also a picture of us in many ways. And it's a cold, cold thing because we began this story with the younger brother being outside of the house and the older brother being inside of the house but because of his attitude and because of his spirit the older brother is now outside of the house stick with me now and the younger brother is now inside of the house I mean how you not gonna come to the party even if I'm mad I'm coming to the party Because I used to love to party. Don't laugh because I seen some of y'all out there when I used to party. How you not going to come to the party? The older brother was supposed to be the loudest person at the party. He was supposed to be setting it off. But again, even in the middle of all of this, the father in the story again shows us the love of our Heavenly Father in that he left the party and the celebration that he was hosting. He left his guest. He left his son that had just come home to go out to this bitter, pouting, spoiled, older son and pleaded with and begged him to come in and join the celebration. Now, this act in and of itself was another culturally unacceptable thing that the father did in showing love to his son. It was undignified. It was below his station as the ruler of his house to beg for anything in his own house. But he didn't care. His other son was also lost. And even though his other son never left home, he was still lost. Prodigal sons. How many of you know that you can still be here in the house of the Lord and still be lost? Mm. But his father still went to him. And that's exactly what our heavenly father did when he sent his son wrapped in humanity to be one of us to die for us. Oh, let's give the Lord praise on today. Hallelujah. Hmm. You know, it broke my heart when I realized that there are some people that do not necessarily want their prodigal brothers and sisters to come home. Let me put it to you this way. There are some folks that do not actually want the church to grow. The church is the perfect size for their taste. They want things to stay exactly as they remember when they were younger, in their heyday. They have just the right amount of control over their little area. They know all the people they want to know in their section where they sit, their little click. They have all the people they want to have in their little circle and they don't want any more in there but remember the end of the parable it is the younger son that is inside the house celebrating while the older son is outside looking in you see beloved god is about to show himself in the life of west angeles like he never has before There are going to be many people that come back to the Lord to come to West Angeles to receive the love of the Lord. Now, we who are already here have to make sure that we do not find ourselves on the outside of our blessing because of our attitude towards those that come into the house now. That come to accept the love of our Heavenly Father. Let me tell you something. I don't want to miss my blessing because I'm mad at what God is doing in your life. I don't want to miss my blessing because I'm too wrapped up in what God is doing in the life of somebody who comes in here off the street. I'm going to get my blessing. We didn't know that God has more than enough to pass around. What the other older son didn't know is that his father, being a smart man like he was, probably had even more inheritance that they didn't know about. And whether you know it or not, our God has a whole lot more than he's sharing with you. Hmm. But we who have been back home for a while must never forget that we were once far away from home far away from our heavenly Father, living in the pigsty and the hog pen of life, dragged down by sin, eating food fit for pigs. And when our brothers and sisters who were once lost are found, who were once dead but now alive, when they come home, we have to make sure that we welcome them properly. We have to make sure that we show them the same love and mercy that our heavenly father would show them. In fact, our father commands that we show them the same love that he would show them. And when we don't, we are not acting in accordance with his will or love that he has for them. We become a hindrance to the work that he wants to do in their life. We become no better than the Pharisees and the Sadducees that look down on the same people that Jesus was trying to minister to. I know it was easy to talk about that lost son, but I'm talking about us up in here right now. Is it is it all right? Amen. But I remember an old song that said, Jesus, I'll never forget what you've done for me. Jesus, I'll never forget how you set me free. Jesus, I'll never forget how you brought me out. Jesus, I'll never forget. No, never. Somebody give the Lord praise if you remember where he brought you from. Hallelujah. Don't catch this selective amnesia now. Like I said, I was out there with you. Somebody give the Lord praise if you remember what he brought you from. When you remember when you was out there without a care. Never forget that it was once you that stood in need of prayer. That is something that we should all want for all of us, that every person would come to know the love that brought you out of what you used to be into. Never try to act like he didn't bring you out of something. I mean, he has so much love to go around. It runs deeper than we could ever imagine. And as I begin to come to a close... It is exemplified in Romans 8 and 35. It reads, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword? And then down to verse 38, for I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, or any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Oh, in Lamentations 23 and 22, the steadfast love of the Lord never fails. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning, new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness, O Lord. Great is thy faithfulness. Now, when I was about Charles and Julian's age, I had no idea what that song meant. It wasn't until I got older and started committing the same sin again and again and again that I realized that I need new mercy. Because I done used up all of yesterday's mercy before. I need new mercy for this morning. In fact, some of y'all curse each other out in the car on the way to church today. You need new mercy. Give the Lord praise if you know you need new mercy. I can tell who it was because y'all laughing at each other right now. <laughs> First John 4 and 9. This is how God showed his love among us. No one has seen God. But if we love one another, God lives in us, and his love is made complete in us. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Love. I was sinking deep in sin, far from that peaceful shore, very deeply stained within Sinking to rise no more. But the master of the sea heard my despairing cry from the waters lifted me. Now safe am I. Love lifted me. I said love lifted me. When nothing else could help love lifted me oh give the lord praise on today hallelujah everybody's standing everybody's standing i'm through hallelujah hallelujah oh the overwhelming never-ending reckless love of god Oh, it chases me down, fights till I'm found, leaves the 99. I couldn't earn it, I don't deserve it. Still you give yourself away, all the overwhelming, never-ending, Reckless love of God Oh, the overwhelming, never-ending Reckless love of God Oh, it chases me down Fights till I'm bound, Leaves the 99 I couldn't earn it And I don't deserve it Till you give yourself away, oh the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God. One more time, oh the. 99 I couldn't earn it I don't deserve it Still you Give yourself Just praise Him for a moment. Just think about it. Just praise Him for a moment. Mm -hmm. I couldn't earn it. I don't deserve it. Still you give yourself away. Only overwhelming. Never ending. Reckless love of God. See, this is how much our Heavenly Father loves us. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Our Heavenly Father is the most powerful. Being that can, we can even conceive in existence but his overriding power, his almighty power is not his most distinct characteristic his most distinct characteristic is love it is overwhelming it is never ending it's reckless It chases you down. It will fight until you are found. It cannot be earned. You can never deserve it. But it is how much he loves you. He loves us so much that he sent his only son. Let him be wrapped in humanity and let him be created on a hill and a tree that he created to save you and I know it seems crazy but if you are the only sinner here he would leave all else just to find you he wants you to know his heart a heart full of love for each and every one of us here a heart full of love for each and every one of us that have logged on today. He wants you to know his heart. But in order to know his heart, you first have to give your heart to him. Now is the time to take that step. Now is the time to let the world know that you are ready to be more. That you are ready to come home just come home he got you he loves you he'll cover you and restore you just come home now I know that there is someone here that is ready to give their life to Christ that is ready to come home You might have even already been here. You might not have ever left physically. But spiritually, you are on the other side of the world. Do not worry about what the people here who have also been here and who probably also need to be down at the altar themselves. Do not worry about what they might be thinking. But whether you've been here or not, if you are ready to come home, if you are ready to give it all over to the Father, If you are ready to give it all back to the Father, just come on down here to the altar. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Just come on down. It's all right. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I couldn't earn it. I don't deserve it. Still, you give your.